It's time for America's six favorite Georgia Bulldogs football podcast. That's right. It's the Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. Without further ado, here's Matt and Kyler with another week of reflection on Georgia Bulldogs football and poor life decisions. Yes, we are back. It is another week of the Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. Coming to you a little late. I know it's been, you know, the last two weeks have been a little late. Kyler and I have been busy. We've been doing stuff. Unfortunately, this week, you know, we're recording this on Friday. Typically, we record it much earlier in the week. But you know what? It gives us time to marinate on it. You know, sometimes the best meats are the ones that, you know, get that time to soak in that marination. Just understand things for a little bit longer. You know, just let it, let it, you know, that slow cook, if you will, the slow burn. And yeah, I feel like maybe we've gotten that. And so maybe we're going to give you a a little bit of a leg up with our, um, with our predictions this week. But before I get to that, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, my partner, Kyler Carr. What's up, KC? Hey, man, doing great. Um, Excited uh, to talk some football. I do like kind of the the later start. Um, You know, obviously, we're we're kind of in in a rush to do it today a little bit. But um, I do like the the marinade and being able to kind of mull things over for the week. You don't just get that instant knee-jerk reaction, you know, at the beginning of the week when the the sky is falling, this and that's happening. You just kind of – your emotions get the best of you, I feel like, on, on a Monday or a Tuesday. So, to, to be able to have this week to kind of uh, think everything through and, and uh, you know, put together some some you know good responses to, to what's going out there in the world of college football, um, I think is a good thing. I think that our listeners are, are in for something special this week. I think so too. I think we've got a great little uh, little outline of uh, of topics to discuss. And you know what? We're not even going to waste any time. We're just going to get right into it. Um, first, want to discuss the game that was. It was the first conference game of the season. The first real test for the Georgia Bulldogs, a 24-13 to victory over South Carolina. What are your thoughts on that game? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that uh... – that the dogs actually looked really good. I mean, you look at the the final score and you immediately want to start, you know, picking apart every little thing that, that went wrong. But, um, you know, we had one possession in, in the first quarter, um, hard to score on all of them, um, you know, missing field goals um, in the first half and second half. So, um, you know, there, there were some things that, that could have, you know, increased our, our score there with, you know, converting some third downs and, and that kind of thing. Um, I thought that we moved the ball um, between the 20s very, very well, um, you know, even in the first half. Uh, just, you know, didn't think we did a great job in the first half of running the ball um, when we're, you know, uh, you know in the red zone uh, of South Carolina. So I know that's something that we've got to clean up. But, you know, second half, I felt like we regrouped and just came out and just hit them in the mouth with a couple of really good drives, um, touchdowns on the board. Um, thought that, you know, at, Second half, we really showed that we can be a great running team. Um, yeah, so I, I was impressed um, on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like we, we, we took another step to, to being better. Um, I know 14 on the points is something that we never like to see as, as Georgia Bulldogs. Um, however, you got to give credit where credit's due. I thought that Spencer Rattler threw some really nice balls, did a great job of moving their, their offense down the field. Um, you know, a couple of things to clean up in coverage, but there were some plays like I know that on the first drive, uh, Xavier Leggett for, for South Carolina uh, went up and made a really nice snag on, on Dalen Everett and Spencer Rattler put that ball where only Xavier Leggett could 
to grab it. So you got to give credit where credit's due. I think I think Spencer Rattler is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Doesn't have um, one of the best offensive lines in the country, and so that's that's really kind of their um, you know the, the problem there at South Carolina. But overall, I'm, I'm pleased, and, and I think that you know through this game that the dogs are going to be a lot better. I think that we improved a lot. Um, saw kind of where we need to get better. And I know that we're only going to grow from there. Um, knowing Kirby, you know, you, you learn more about your team um, in, in these kind of uh, trying situations than you do in these blowouts that, that we're so used to seeing. But, um, you know, at, at, we still have all the makings for, for a three-peat. We're not there yet where we need to be, but I know in due time that, that we're going to get there. So it's exciting. And, and I'm overall pleased with, you know, the outcome of, of the South Carolina game. But what were your kind of thoughts of the the South Carolina game? Do you see anything differently or um, anything that stood out to you that, that needs to be pointed out um, within that game? Yeah, Kyler, you know, I know one of the big criticisms, I think, right now of this Georgia Bulldogs team is the offense in particular, how we're not really stretching the field vertically. But I think that we we played within ourselves, and that's something that, you know, Carson Beck was consistently throwing to guys and getting the first down, moving the markers. And to me, I'm like, I don't care if they catch it five yards and, you know, then run six yards after the catch. You know, to me, it's about sustaining consistent drives and doing things so that the defense gets enough time off the field to do what our defense does. And as we've seen time and time again, maybe this year – you know, maybe there are some other teams that are competing with us to be the best defense in the country, but we know what we have on that side of the ball. And yeah, 14 points, not great, but also I think we really settled in and that's just what you have to do. And we made a lot of really great adjustments, obviously, to shut them out in the second half. And also, I think it showed something about the metal of this team. You know, we're down 14-3 at half. And there really wasn't ever a panic or a um, just any sort of feeling that this team wasn't ready for that moment, wasn't ready to kind of just rise up and, and make it happen. And I don't know. I think that says something more than anything. Do I think that we're there? No, we're not there yet. We're not. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. But if you look at what you know, just the body of work this season, I don't think Georgia is one of the top five teams that country at this point in the season but that doesn't that really doesn't matter because we're only three weeks into the season we know we're trying to make it to game 15 you know that's when you need to be peaking and so overall I think that there's a lot of good to take away um you mentioned the kicking game it's going to be interesting to see how we move forward with that uh that is something that we've been consistently good at recently and as you've seen with other teams, like that can sneak up on you and that can be the difference between you winning and losing a game. So um, that probably, I would say more than anything, was a little bit concerning. I know the weather wasn't great, but still, like we got to be making 30-yard kicks. Like there's just no excuse. Um, and we we recruit at a level that we can find somebody that can make those kicks. And so I feel for a kid who comes in and has to fill some big shoes, fill some, you know, shoes of guys who are, are close to NFL level. And many of our, you know, recent kickers have played at the, in the NFL. So it's like, that's not easy, but as well at the university of Georgia, we really can't be about participation trophies. You know, we got to be going for wins. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't a change made at that position. Um, 
I think the other thing that is a little concerning is the injuries. And I don't know if you want to talk maybe a little bit more about that, but Amaris Mims had ankle surgery. I think he's out four to six weeks. And, you know, Javon Bullard, obviously, um, you know, still banged up. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is we can't keep losing key players like that as we go through the season. Uh, if we get to the end of the season and we've had an injury like this every game, it's going to be almost impossible, I think, for Georgia to, to three-peat. And so I think that's the other thing that I'm kind of playing, paying a little close attention to. I will say on the flip side, Dejan Edwards – look to be finally fully healthy and that was a huge thing for us and I think he's going to be we've really run a running back by committee on some level the last few seasons I think this year we just got to kind of ride the horse that is Dejan Edwards and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 25 to 30 carries a game because uh, that's honestly just I feel like what we need to do right now and maybe we have some other guys that step up but um he, he's the guy. So I think on the flip side, you see how much injuries can affect the team and how much when you get somebody healthy back, how big it is. I will say the final thing I'll say about the injuries is the one good thing is we haven't lost a lot of guys for the season. So while there may be long stretches where we're not playing with some of our best players, hopefully by the time we're in the playoffs, we can be at full strength because once again, that's where we're going towards. That's what we're working towards. Um, it's not about being healthy in game six. It's about game 15. But uh, anything more you want to add on that front? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, these are, you know, injuries are the number one probably concern of, you know, should be of any Georgia fan, anybody on the Georgia coaching staff. That, that's our biggest obstacle right now to, um, you know, three-peating. And, and this is how I kind of kind of look at it all, um, and kind of to go back to the South Carolina game. I mean, we did have, you know, uh, you know, some issues there, um, you know, in pass protection. Um, I felt like, you know, we've got a lot of new faces in general on this offense, right? I mean, we're you know, there's no Lab McConkey out there. Um, you know, we've got we've got Ra Ra, we've got Dominic Lovett. Those guys are, are getting a lot of minutes. Um, I like, you know, seeing Rosemary Jack Saint back out there. He's one of the more consistent, you know, players out there that we can rely on. But, um, you know, it's a steep learning curve for a guy like Rara Thomas, who, you know, was in an air raid offense and, and coming into this offense where it's a you know, pretty complicated route tree that you have to learn. And so I feel like there's a lot of thinking going on there with him and, you know, as the quarterback for Carson Beck, you know, there's no consistency. You know, he, he doesn't have that same rhythm, you know, that he would have with uh, Alad McConkey and, and, you know, uh, some of these other guys that are injured and, and not in the lineup. And, and you know, that kind of uh, continuity, you can you know, bring that whole, you know, discussion to the offensive line. I mean, we're, we're seeing new guys there on the offensive line. Ernest Green as uh, a first-time starter. Um, you know, Marius Mims, you know, now that he's out, we're, we're, you know, trying to find a solution out there at right tackle. So we still have this discontinuity amongst the offensive line and, um, you know, which is okay. I think this is an opportunity to build depth and, and develop players um, through all of this. But you know, that's the most important thing is to, is to develop these units with a, a sense of continuity and, and being on the same page. And so when, you know, Marius went out, um, you know, we ended up sliding Xavier Trust over there at right tackle. And, you know, we've seen Xavier Trust even before, you know, he he actually got um, subbed out of the game um, at guard for uh, for Dylan Fairchild, um, who I, I think looks pretty good out there. But that's his first game um, with, with, you know, really, really meaningful minutes and everything. So, 
Um, and, and we've got some decisions to make on the offensive line this week in practice, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, we're going to leave Xavier Truss out there. Are we going to give some of these younger guys like Micah Morris, Jared Wilson, um, any of these guys, uh, you know, they're, they're shot this week, right? There's going to be a lot of competition in that room. Um, and, you know, I, if you look at Cedric Van Pran this last game, I did want to point this out, uh, probably the worst game I've ever seen him play ever. And somehow he got named Offensive Lineman of the Week in the SEC. That's, that's another subject. But um, he's played many games where he was well worthy of it. Last game was not. But uh, I want to point to, you know, some of the issues that, that might have been there is, you know, having you know new guys around him, having to make calls to guys that he just doesn't have that same rhythm and communication with, right? And so that that can affect his play, so that he's thinking more than he's actually playing. So, but he's a he's a senior leader. I know that he's going to get the guys around him right this week and kind of put that on his back. He's that that kind of leader. So, um, you know, not not as concerned about it, um, but I do think that you know. Our, our biggest thing right now is getting healthy, getting the guys who are going to be our guys, help have them develop a rhythm together and a rapport that, um, you know, everybody knows each other's why and are playing together for the same cause and um, just get everyone on the same page. And, and, and that, you know, will keep Carson Beck upright. And, and the reason Carson Beck is, you know, hitting his check downs over, over taking these shots downfield uh, you know, it's because of some of these inconsistencies on the offensive line. He's immediately got a guy in his face, and so he's just trying to find the you know, the quick, easy throw so that he's not giving up yards, he's not throwing an interception. So I, I really liked how Carson Beck played um, this game. You know, not, obviously not a perfect game, and, and you know, it's tough to to you know give yourself enough time to hit those deep deep shots. How a lot of our fans want to see right now, but as the offensive line starts to progress and develop, we're going to be able to give him more time back there in the pocket to, to hit his guys uh, over the top. So, um, you know, it, it's just a work in progress right now. But, um, you know, I, I feel confident in the leaders that we have on that side of the ball to, to get us to where we need to be. Um, you mentioned Dajan Edwards uh, coming back, having a 100-plus yard game right out of the gates. Um, guy is incredible. And um, I do think that we're going to find other guys that can go in and play. Uh, we haven't seen Andrew Paul much at all yet. Um, I know that he's still kind of on the mend from an ACL Roderick Robinson um, ended up, I think he's dealing with maybe a turf toe, something like that, but, but he's injured and, and he's gotten significant reps while, um, while Dajan was out and everything. So I do, I do see us, you know, not having to put the, the full load on a guy like Dajan. Dajan's, you know, probably barely 200 pounds, you know, smaller back. Right. And so if he has to take the brunt of, of an SEC load, I mean, that would not be good on the injury front for us, I don't think. Um, so We've got to find guys that are, you know, ready to step up in those running back roles and and, and kind of relieve uh, Dajan of, of having to really carry the brunt of it. Yeah, I agree. I think it is important that uh, that we do get somebody else in. I think we run better when we run by committee, honestly. And I think it's important for these guys because, as you see, we all saw with Nick Chubb this past week and the horrific injury, like – you don't want them necessarily having an injury like that in college. And I think, you know, wear and tear and just like you have more opportunities to injure yourself like that if you're running 25 to 30 times a game. Uh, and so I think it's also from a recruiting standpoint, 
it doesn't necessarily look great. And I also, you know, and I know Bama's had a bunch of great backs and will continue to, but I do wonder if maybe some of their issues right now in their backfield is the fact that they were, you know, workhorsing backs and people are like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to run 25 times, 30 times a game. Uh, you know, that's not good for my long-term career. So I think it, there's more to it than just obviously doing what you have to, but sometimes you have to. And that's right now. I think that if we get into situations where we really need tough yards, Dajan's our guy and we just kind of have to, to rely on him. And a lot of it has to do, I think with Kendall Milton, not being the back that, that he once was, I think that he's dealing with some injuries. I hope he gets back to that point, but right now he just can't be relied on for for tough yardage, quite frankly. I mean, seven carries, 25 yards, and he's had some similar um, stat lines this season. So it's just – it's really sad to see because we know what he can be, but he's just not there right now and kind of similar to what I was saying about the kicker as much as, like, I want these guys to succeed – there's also a three P on the line and you're at the university of Georgia and we don't hand out participation trophies at Georgia bottom line. Like you get playing time. If you show that you're worthy of playing time and, and to the point is Kendall Milton has shown in the past, he's absolutely worthy of it. So, you know, the fact that we're giving him that many carries makes total sense. I mean, he's, he's proven himself time and time again to be a good back. It's just his injury. I think, the compounding of injuries feels like it's caught up to them. I will say, you know, we ran for almost 200 yards and as much as the offensive line should probably get some flack for some of the pass protection, I will say, I think it was their best blocking game of the season as far as from a run perspective. And so, Hey, you got to take uh credit where it's due and kind of take the good with the bad. And so maybe we're starting to figure it out um, at least from the, you know, run perspective, because earlier in the season, we really, it, it was, it was worrisome. And you can go back and listen to some of the earlier podcasts, us talking about how uh, we were just curious to how we were going to get that, you know, or kind of perplexed at how the lack of, I think upfront push we got from our offensive line. So, Seems like maybe that's clearing up. So, like, in the end, I don't know. I, I you, you can take a lot, but there certainly isn't a doom and gloom perspective from this game, I think. I think more good than bad. And as, as I'll say, and the last thing I'll say I think about this game is, like, our schedule sets up really nicely. Uh, I think Auburn, and we're going to talk about them later, pro- will prove to be an interesting test next week. UAB, kind of our last – you know, warm up game, if you will, before we really, we don't play any more um, power or G5 teams, uh, only power five teams from here on out. So last, last game to kind of just see if we get things right. And uh, we'll talk about the UAB game later, but I will say, I just, I hope that maybe this week we see a huge step with the team. It's kind of like, all right, the first two games getting our sea legs and finally, I don't know. It feels like something might have clicked in the second half of that game. And so I'm just excited to see how this team kind of reacts this uh, this week to, to, you know, and how they build off of this performance um, against South Carolina. So any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it really is uh, with the offense. I know that's probably the biggest concern right now, only putting up 24 points. This is not, not something that's on Bobo. Um, 
you know, you've got guys that, that, you know, maybe they've played together, but they're, they're shuffling around finding the right five right now. Um, and, and that that's tough. And, you know, there's blitzes that they're throwing at these guys. And you know, I was grateful that we went up a team like South Carolina that, that has, you know, a good front seven like that, that that's able to challenge the, this offense. I mean, we're, we're learning how to pass off some of these twist, uh, you know, blitzes from the defensive line and, and you know, um, who picks up who, when do you pass this guy off, right, to, to the other lineman. And, and that stuff is, is so important to, to keeping Carson upright so that he can take some of those shots downfield. So as we start to get better on the offensive line and improve there, which I know that we will, we've recruited, ex, you know, at, at the top level of the country at that position. Um, we've got the talent there. Um, we've got the leadership down there with Cedric Van, Van Pran. Um, and I know Coach Sarrells will have those guys, you know, ready to rock and roll um, next week. But um, it, it's not just, uh, you know, hey, why aren't we just playing like, you know, um, like our hair's on fire and the best team in the country? Well, you know, <laughs> we're replacing a lot of talent. And, uh, you know, on that offensive line, two, two guys that are playing in the NFL with uh, Broderick Jones and Warren McClendon, they're, they're gone now, right? So, you know, there's just a lot of new faces, a lot of, uh, you know, communication that, that has to get better um, there. And, but once it does, you know, the you know the ceiling's very high for this offense. I'm excited about it, and I think Carson's our guy. I, I like what he's doing out there, protects the ball, um, you know, throws a good ball. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, uh, protecting him right now, and then, then we can get a little bit more risky with, with the shots that we're taking. Yeah, you know, I, I'll go back to the thing that I said at the beginning, um, you know, just playing within yourself. And I think that Carson Beck does a really good job of playing within himself. And I mean, just look over at the guy that's going to be playing tonight, Calandria for UVA, or maybe he's not starting. And the guy, I mean, that guy just launches the ball downfield. He, he has no care, reckless abandonment for just like, throwing it downfield into triple coverage. But on the flip side, in their Maryland game last week, he had three straight interceptions on three straight throws. It's like, yeah, you can get a guy who's who's just going to launch it. And, of course, we want to play that vertical game. But I would much – would be – and I heard somebody say this was a Nick Saban line. And it's like if, if you're uh, – you know, if your series ends in a kick, whether that is a punt – or a field goal, that's great. If it doesn't end in a kick or a touchdown, then that's when you have some real issues. And I kind of agree with that philosophy, especially with the defense we have. I mean, you can put it on the defense on some level and just say, listen, we know what we have to do. We are not going to force the situation. We are just going to allow it to come to us, and it will. And there is a certain danger with playing that game because there can be games where, you know, maybe the defense doesn't show up and you're down 28, nothing. And it's like, okay, we haven't really come back like this, but at least for us, especially against the teams we're playing right now, there's just no reason to force things. It's like, let the game come to us and it will play out. And eventually, you know, we're going to have those opportunities. And I think that honestly, that's how we've played even when we've been more explosive on offense. I mean, you look at the game against Ohio State last year, I feel like it played out very similarly to the South Carolina game. Obviously, it was a little bit closer. They have a much more explosive offense, but it was once again, like they got up early, things weren't working for us, but we just didn't we didn't play outside of ourselves. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing that we want to see is like, um, does this team get over their skis? And it's been a long time actually, since I can remember a Georgia team just totally 
I would say, honestly, probably Tuscaloosa 2020 was the last time I can think about a team that was like back against the wall and were worried and were just like throwing with reckless abandonment and things. And it didn't end well there. So, um, yeah, I think that everything is moving, moving towards that goal that we want it to be. But um, let's move on, Kyler, and let's talk about our top five. And I know it's slightly different, but we're going to rank top five teams and we're going to do it based on just like what we have seen on the field this year to this point. We're not going to talk about it from a perspective of, you know, past seasons and talent perspective and things like that, because bottom line is I think Georgia, you know, is deserving of that number one spot. But it's also like, yeah, everybody kind of knows that. So I think this is kind of a different way to look at it. And yeah, so so let's get into it, Kyler. And, and I want to hear your top 10 teams, um, kind of just based on what you have seen this season. Oh, I, I said top 10. Kyler's just, we, we have our video and he's like five, top five. But he did give me a, five teams that were honorable mentions. So I will say I'm not totally off base on that, but yes, top five teams, break it down for me, KC. Yeah, man. So um, I'll start with number five. I've, I've got Utah on there. Um, and, and what I'm kind of basing a lot of this off of is really quality wins, um, you know, within the, um, you know, in the games that they've played so far, you know, the idea of, of this rankings is you're on a neutral field, um, you know, who, who's going to win the game, right? Just based off of what you've seen so far this year. And with the, the win that Utah had against Florida, um, which, you know, if you would have talked to me last week, I would have said that's not that big of a deal. But, you know, the way that Florida um, handled their business against Tennessee last weekend makes that one of their really quality wins for myself. Um, so I really like Utah there. Um, Ole Miss, I went with them because, uh, you know, they, they played a really good, um, a really good Tulane team. I think that um, you're gonna, we're going to hear a lot more from Tulane later in the season, right? But um, you know, they, they beat a good uh, ULM team. They beat a good uh, South Alabama team. I know that, you know, a lot of people don't follow those um, those conferences down there and, and those teams, but, um, you yeah, know, that's a high-quality opponent um, to beat. And so um, I, I put Ole Miss there, um, you know, for winning that tough game and just looking really good on offense. Um, Washington, I put them at number three. Um, I, you know, don't really know how good of a win it was last week, but they won in convincing fashion. Uh, when I say I don't know how good of a week it was last week, meaning we don't know how good Michigan State is, but they absolutely beat the tar out of them. Uh, Michael Penix is looking amazing, um, you know, throwing tons of touchdowns every game, you know, really moving that Washington offense along very well. And they're always going to have good defense there um, at Washington. So they've looked really good so far. Um, so I put them at number three. And then at number two, um, I put Texas, um, you know, mainly because of the win against uh, – um, against Alabama, um, you know, one of the best games of the year so far. But, um, you know, really like, you know, what they have on offense with, uh, you know, Xavier Worthy, um, A.D. Mitchell, Quinn Ewers just throwing a good ball. They have Whittington in the slot. Um, you know, and some of these younger running backs that they have are, are stepping up and, and playing well for them with the loss of B. John Robinson and, and uh, Roshan Johnson to the league. So, um, Texas is looking good uh, I'm down there in Austin. I'm excited to have them uh, come join the SEC and just make this, you know, 
the the juggernaut of a conference that it is, um, and just only improve. And then Florida State, I've got them at number one. Um, I know they struggled last week against Boston College, definitely a concern there, but you can't look past that that big win against LSU. Um, LSU um, really put it to um, you know their last two opponents. I know one was Grambling, but the other was Mississippi State, who, who's you know a much improved team on defense. And it feels like, you know, LSU's finally starting to play the way that, you know, we, we thought they would at the beginning of the season. And so that's going to be a really good looking win for Florida State. And, and you know, I, and I have LSU right now looking better than, let's say, um, Alabama, which is why I put Florida State over Texas. So I mean, those are my top five. And then. Um, you know, for my honorable mention, we can throw out, you know, the other five schools that I have there, um, Notre Dame, Georgia, Oregon, Oregon State, and UCLA. I feel like all of those teams have looked good, but there's not that quality opponent opponent on any of these teams scheduled yet for me to put them in that top five ranking. Yeah, Kyler, we see it relatively similar. I actually don't have Texas in my top five. And the only reason being is – I don't know what at that win against Alabama, how good of a win it was, quite frankly. We're going to find out this weekend. I know Alabama's got a lot of cachet, but if you look at what's happened on the field, they do not look that great. So, um, you know, how much better are they than Michigan State? Probably a lot better, but as well, you know, Texas was deep into a game tied with Wyoming. And so it's like, uh, I'm. It's hard for me to get a gauge, and I think with a lot of these teams, it's hard to get a full gauge. But what I do know is I've looked at Washington, I've looked at Notre Dame, and I've looked at USC, and those three teams are kicking the ever-living shit out of everybody they're playing. And I kind of look at it like Washington, number one on that list, because they've actually played Boise, who seems to be a bowl, you know, a bowl-eligible team, and Michigan State, who while they're in disarray, are certainly a talented enough team to to be in games, especially at home against Washington. And so that was just – I think that was one of the most impressive games um, I've seen all year. I, I look at Utah right there too. I think, yes, they had to go and they, they, they won a tough one at Baylor. But um, the week before they beat a Florida team that, you know, we, we've – harped on quite a bit, but I, you know, I got to give Florida all the credit in the world for their win against Tennessee this week. And I think because of that, that gives Utah a certain level on the, I guess, power rankings for me. And, and then FSU, I think with the most impressive win all season long, because I agree, LSU is really coming into form and who knows, maybe FSU is just that good. Maybe they caught them flat footed in the second half, but either way, that was a, incredible win. Um, last thing I'll say about Utah and why I kind of have them this high uh, is is Cam Rising's coming back, and I do know that. And so I guess maybe maybe that is a holistic approach, but, you know, they're getting this done with the third-string quarterback. And so they've had one of the most difficult schedules to navigate early in the season and have been able to do that, uh, you know, without their guy. So uh, all those teams. But the teams you mentioned right in there as well, um, Texas, you know, I think that if I wasn't trying to be contrarian, they would definitely be in my top five because that game at Bama was was incredible. And the eye test, you know, they passed the eye test in that game. Although the defense, we'll see. I think that's something that's going to be fascinating. And then 
Oregon, Oregon State, really good. Uh, I think you could put a team like Wazoo. There are so many different teams. Colorado, uh, on some level, deserves deserves some recognition, although I'm not sure how good TCU or Colorado State are. And, you know, when you're in such tight games like that, like I think if you're talking about most improved team, if you're talking about obviously most exciting team, Colorado wins all those things. But if you're really getting into a top five, I think most college football experts or people who care to pay attention to the sport just know that they aren't deep enough to be a top five team. They have the talent. I think that's the big thing that should be said is people are like, they they have one of the weakest rosters in college football. Those people are crazy. Like Shador Sanders is an incredible quarterback and they do have playmakers on the field. The problem is they're too deep, just isn't there. And George has been there. A lot of teams have been there. So like we've seen it from a recruiting perspective, how difficult it is to build this program up to uh, that level. And, you know, when Kirby got to Georgia, what he went seven and six in his first season and that was having a much better floor to build off of than you know than what sanders is coming in to build off of colorado so i think you know saying this is not taking anything away from the job that sanders has done it's just saying that yeah it's not it's not top five yet but i think we all see it and it's going in that direction so um, that'll be exciting but yeah, that's kind of how I see it. I think that bottom line is we're going to find out a lot more this weekend. And I think it might be a great time to just step right in and, and talk about this weekend. But what do you think, Kyler? Yeah, we got you know heck of a slate of games um, this weekend. If you're you're a college football fan, you definitely want to be tuning in. Um, you know, I uh, I have I've got ten games that, that I've you know kind of listed out um, that. I've ranked as the top games. Don't know if you're ready for me to kind of roll those out or, you know, um, you know how you want to go about this. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk about like rank them from the lowest game of intrigue to the, to the top game of intrigue is kind of how I like it. And I'll start with my number 10 game. I don't know if you see it the same way. I've got Rutgers in Michigan at number 10. It's a part of our betting six pack. Ching. We need to come up with some sort of cool, uh, cool little you know sound effect for that but uh Rutgers coming in 20 plus 24 um I think why I have it ranked as 10th in our top 10 games of the week is it's more I think it's going to be fascinating to see if Rutgers can can stay in this game do I think that Rutgers has a legitimate shot to win no do I think they're a great play at plus 24 yes because I think they can muck it up I don't think that Michigan's shown much to be this like world beating offensive team. And so for all those reasons, I feel like this is a great play and it is intriguing because it is, you know, Michigan is a similar team to Georgia and the fact of like up until last week, we hadn't been tested. Well, Michigan, they've gone an extra week and really haven't played anyone. This is going to be the first team that they've played that's worth any sort of damn. And so it's uh, yeah, I think from that perspective alone, it's going to be fascinating because they're the number two team in the country. And I think similar to Georgia, they haven't always looked it. And, and so like, it's a good litmus test. It's a good kind of barometer to see where Michigan's at. And also I think a interesting barometer to see um, the state of Rutgers because, you know, Greg Schiano, he is a, 
he is Rutgers is the bottom line and he always gets his guys to play. And uh, yeah, so I think it's, um, you know, a fascinating that, that to me um, is fascinating from that, but I can't rank it in the t- like top five games of the week. And, you know, uh, Hey, there's a ton of games. So being in that top 10 this week is a really, it's a high honor, but uh, there's a lot more games that are going to be, I have a lot more to say about the national picture and a lot more to say, I think, about two teams that are a little bit more equally matched. But, I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, agreed. And also in that noon kickoff, I feel like these games go one of two ways. Either the, you know, either the team that is favored by a lot jumps out really early and it's like, okay, put this one to bed. Or as we see far too often in these noon games, things get a little bit sleepy in the first half. They're just not maybe quite, you know, things aren't, who knows, maybe had to study real hard during the week. Maybe went out once in the week a little too hard and, uh, you know, don't have that full recovery or don't have that full cycle of sleep, whatever you want to say. And, yeah, teams kind of sleepwalk. So it'll be interesting to see if this is a sleepwalk game or if we actually see the Michigan that we think is going to be in the playoffs um, at the end of the season. All right, moving to number nine game. I'll ask you, what game do you have as your number nine game, most intriguing game this week? I've got BYU in Kansas. Um, you know, BYU's coming off of a, a nail-biter win against Arkansas, uh, who's a decent, you know, SEC opponent. Uh, went on the road and, and did that. And so um, do, do I think Kansas is that much better than Arkansas? Maybe by a little bit, but I mean, nine and a half points. That's a lot of points there. So interested to see if, if uh, BYU can cover the spread there. I think that they're playing really good ball, um, as is Kansas. So uh, I think it's just going to be a good all-around game. And so that's why I have it in my, in my top 10 list of games at number nine. Well, it's weakness versus weakness. Um, you know, I am actually in Las Vegas right now. I haven't mentioned that, but uh, it's going to be a, a fun time. But I was listening to all the podcasts, um, you know, of our – I like to call them colleagues, but honestly they're our mentors if you really get down to it of just the, the you know, the, the guys from the Solid Verbal, Cover 3 podcasts, went, it went, did them all. And I think – you know, one thing that they were making note of a lot of the different podcasts was that, you know, it's Kansas's offense that is incredible. 
excuse my alarm, and it's BYU's defense that's really good. So we got strength on strength there, and then BYU has some of the worst efficiency rates in the country. So uh, from an offensive perspective, and Kansas seems to allow you know anybody to drive on defense too. That's where they're not. So we got strength on strength and weakness on weakness. Um, and, and it'll be fascinating to see, you know, can Kansas break through? And I think it could be, we could see any number of different outcomes. I think we could see a really high scoring game where nobody can stop anybody. I think we could also see a really low scoring game where, you know, BYU's defense clamps down, but then their offense, um, can't get the best of Kansas's defense, even though most teams can. So it, from a like stylistic perspective, I think it's a fascinating matchup. And I think Kansas is still trying to build off of, you know, their incredible start last season that they had. And honestly, you know, really just an incredible season in general for them, given their history and their, you know, what they've had done um, in the previous like five, six seasons. But uh, yeah, I actually had that as my number eight game, though, Kyler. And my number nine game is Texas A&M-Auburn. Um, I don't know if you had it flip-flopped, but I'll go ahead and speak to that game. And uh, the big thing I think about this game is is really Texas A&M more than Auburn. I think Hugh Freeze is going to have Auburn playing well. I think Auburn's a dangerous team. Auburn can beat us next week. There's no doubt about it. Hugh Freeze is one of the best coaches in the country I also think he's one of the biggest sleazeballs in the country but you know (laughs) that's not a that's not a prerequisite you don't have to like you know not be a sleazeball to be a college football coach and in fact most of them are Um, I think he's just you know we we know we know the skeletons in his closet maybe more than we know skeletons in some other people's closet so you know no don't throw stones at a glass house but um Getting back to his acumen on the field, he he puts out a great football team. Um, Auburn been playing really good defensively, uh, and so we're gonna see. We're gonna see if Connor Wegman at home can can rise up. I think Connor Wegman's been pretty good this season overall, and it's been A and M's defense that really hasn't been great. So A and M, I think, has a real opportunity here. I think it kind of plays into A and M's hands, just given you know Connor Wagman being the strength versus Auburn's defense being good, but maybe just a little bit undermanned right now. And and on the flip side, A and M's defense being incredible, and like Peyton Thorne. He, I don't think he's the guy. I think he's a fine quarterback, but he's nothing. He's nothing to write home about. He's no Bo Nix, and so yeah, I just I think that this really is a game that Texas A and M should should control. Quite frankly, but you just I mean Texas A and M probably should have controlled that Miami game and didn't. So I think this game. And this game might be a career maker. I mean, I, I truly believe if they lose to Auburn at home, I mean, Jimbo Fisher might not make it through the season. Yeah, I've actually got them at number seven this game. But uh, a lot of it for me is Auburn. Um, it makes it interesting for me more so than, than Texas A&M and, and the struggles that, that their program has had. Um, still, it's, you know, popcorn, you know, worthy TV, nonetheless, you know, to see Jimbo fail and everything. But I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Hugh Freeze and, and, you know, this offense at Auburn, um, you know, 
didn't really do great against Cal, but I mean, I think that Peyton Thorne is actually playing really, really well. They've got a, um, you know, a slew of running backs that run the ball extremely hard. So um, the, this team is interesting and I want to see how they play against A&M. I think that eight is too many points to cover, uh, but I've actually got, uh, for me, I've got Iowa and Penn state at number eight and, and Auburn and A&M at, at seven. And that shows this game. It's, it's, uh, you know, at Penn state, it's going to be the whiteout. Um, going up against a tough defensive team in Iowa, um, you know, it should be, should be, you know, I'm not going to say the most entertaining football because, you know, with, with Iowa playing, you know, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of defense, you know, hard nosed football out there, but um, this is a big test for Penn state. Um, I'm interested to see how they perform against Iowa's defense. And, you know, maybe this is a game where, you know, Kay McNamara and the Iowa offense, you know, finally find that spark, get something going because if their offense, you know, um, improves, you know, uh, I was actually a contender at that point. So uh, a couple of things to watch out for in that game, but I've got that one at number eight. I actually have it at seven and I want to just make one final point on the Auburn game, which is just that I think Auburn is the more intriguing team. I think we kind of know what we're to expect from Texas A&M, which is disappointment. So it's interesting, like I say, to see that train wreck, but I think that because it's Hugh Freeze's first season, they're kind of playing with house money right now. So that's my only thing about Auburn is like that makes them an incredibly dangerous team, but it also like if something happens and they don't play well or they get blown out, nobody's going to say, you know, they, they can say, hey, we're building to something and we can, you know, work off of this for year two. Um, but for the Iowa and Penn State game, as I say, I have that at seven and and I tend to agree. I mean, it's a six, you know, I think it's a fascinating game. It's uh, like, you know, six to four, I think 20 years ago was the game. One of the most um if you're a fan of defense, <laughs> it was a good game, and we might see see a similar outcome. I know that Drew Aller is uh, is got a lot of promise, but I don't know that he's there yet. And Penn State didn't look all that great on offense last week, and so it's just it'll be fascinating to see if Iowa can can withhold maybe the hundred and eight thousand white fans because they're uh doing the whiteout tonight you know so fans in white shirts i shouldn't say not not all white fans i think they are they're diverse at penn state at least on some level i think but um that that didn't sound right yeah there probably will be uh, but uh it is um an electric atmosphere to say the least, when they go under the lights and everybody wears their their white attire, uh, so so that's a tough tough atmosphere to play in. But as well, um, Iowa I think is a battle tested team at least on the defensive perspective, and they they do enough on defense to always leave their team in the game. And so, yeah. But if Penn State, who we both think is a dark horse playoff contender, can you know whether or not they get their, their act together, whether or not they're able to um, kind of come out and make a statement game. I think this game really like they have to have this game is the bottom line. So I think Iowa, you know, while Iowa is an intriguing team, they need to get 25 points. There's all these like side plots to Iowa that I think are fascinating. I do think that like, James Franklin, he's been at Penn State for a while, and and this does feel like this is one of the team his better teams, and so it's like if you know you only get so many cracks, and so I think that this is a huge game for them. They really, really need this, and I think need to make a statement here. 
All right, Kyler, I'm going to move on to my number six, and I've got FSU Clemson. Um, you might have that higher, but for me, I, you know, I just I think there are other games that honestly have matchups of two teams of really high caliber, and this feels like uh, this just feels like Clemson's were, were Clemson's funeral. Um, and so I'm interested to see can they get off the mat because. You know, Clemson still has everything to play for, quite frankly, and it is overreaction. You know, that is how seasons begin. You overreact. You say, this team's done. We're doing it to Alabama as well. We're going to talk about them in a bit, but it's like, oh, Clemson's done. They, they're over. And, I mean, I, I will say that I don't think they have a vertical threat that really scares anyone like they used to have. And so I think as much as it – could be said about maybe Klubnik not being the guy that they thought he was, offensive line play being suspect. Their kicking has been horrible, but, you know, they don't have those game changers either, I don't think, on the offensive side of the ball that really, I think, make Clemson Clemson. And so, yeah, this just feels like – it feels like it's going to get worse before it gets better for Clemson, but – there is an opportunity there. As I say, they can beat Florida state, go undefeated the rest of the season and end up in the playoffs. So it's like, as much as things don't seem to be going right for Clemson, this, this game is critical for them, but it does feel like Clemson's going to win this, or I'm sorry, Florida state's going to run away with this, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I've got it ranked the, the, you know, the same spot there at number six, Florida state and Clemson, Um, you know, it's at Clemson, which which brings an element that you know gives them a little bit of an advantage. But I do think that uh, Florida State is you know, that much better than um, than Clemson, and so uh, I'm kind of kind of just here for the funeral, so to speak. Um, kind of like why I watch like watching Texas A and M, same concept. Um, so um, should be should be interesting. I know that uh, you know, last week uh, Florida State struggled a little bit with, with Boston College on the road, um, kind of later in the game, so. It'll be interesting to see if if they you know bounce back from uh, that close call last week and and you know show up like the team that you know destroyed LSU uh, opening weekend. So it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, um, I think that it's I, I don't know. It, it will be an interesting game. I don't think it's going to be a very interesting game, Kyler. I just think that it's an intriguing game, but I do feel like Florida State runs away with it. But it'll be interesting. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. If my hunch is correct, I don't think it's going to be a very good game, um, especially with some of the other games that we have on the slate. Now, where do you have at your number five? Yeah, so for number five, um, I went with Oregon State, Washington State. Um, two teams um, in the Pac-12 that I think are, are very, very underrated. Um, really like what I've seen so far out of uh, DG Uyangalele. And uh, in this squad, I mean, he seems to be more comfortable out there and uh, uh, Oregon State than he ever was at Clemson. I feel like he's finally starting to play like, you know, the player that we thought he would be coming out of high school. Now, I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a lot of Washington State, but they've been, you know, winning these games, um, you know, and, and had some gone up against some decent opponents. And so um, looks like that they're playing good ball as well over there. So, you know, that, that's why I've got my eyes on, on this game, you know, just to see kind of where these two teams are, how they compete against one another. I think it should be very evenly matched. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, you know, DJ's first, you know, real test, um, 
you know, in the conference against a quality opponent. So I want to see if he can rise to this moment um, and show up in a big time game. I know that was one of his, um, you know, knocks back at Clemson. So uh, definitely keep an eyes on DJU and, and Oregon State and, and how they compete with Washington State this weekend. Yeah, I've got that game in the same place. And if, if I really had to say it, I'd say that there's three A, three B, and three C for me at this point, and all of them are out in the Pac-12. Um, there are three games that I think are really intriguing. I think the best two games, honestly, might be ranked five and four for me, um, and that's you know the Oregon State Washington State game. I think very similarly, um, the Washington State quarterback really good, um, but they do rely a lot on him, and Oregon State's defense I think is one of the more underheralded um, sides or just, you know, uh, teams, uh, if you will, uh, groups um, in the country. And so I think that, that Oregon State does get it done, but I think that game is going to be like awesome to watch. I think the other game that could be really interesting is UCLA at Utah. I'm not sure if Cam Rising, I don't think he's going actually yet this week. Um, but uh, U- UCLA's incredible freshman quarterback uh, has been a real treat to, to watch, but now he has to go in, play at, you know, a very, very difficult stadium. We've already seen Florida go in there and get trampled, and then Florida looked pretty good after that. So I think that it's going to be a tough proposition, but I think that game could be really interesting, especially Cam Rising out. It, it, it really has the potential – I think to be one of the better games. And then, as I said, I'm going to go ahead and mention them all three. And so you can pick up where I leave off and maybe talk about these other two games. Colorado, Oregon is the one that I have at three. And I think that that game is just interesting. Just if nothing else from the national perspective, I think a lot of people have seen that Colorado had one of the highest rated games as far as television watchers, viewers, uh, in the history of ESPN college football, which is insane against Colorado State, a game that on the East Coast ended at like one thirty in the morning. And so I think just the whole Colorado circus is incredibly fascinating. And because of that, I think I'm, I'm you know, I think that that's the highest rated game, although I actually think that it might be the worst game of the three because I think especially – you know, it, it's terrible, but Travis Hunter out of the game, he's such a difference maker for that Colorado team. And this Oregon team is coming to play. And I think that they have a real chip on their shoulder because everybody's talking about Colorado when really the team that's the better team, the team that really has, a, I think, a real legitimate shot to make the playoff is Oregon. So I think it's kind of playing into Oregon's hands. Also being in Eugene Autzen Stadium, you know, the Autzen Zoo is going to be going to be hyped for that game. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, well, I think it's getting top billing at least as far as the top, Pack 12 games this week, I do think it might not be the closest for those reasons. But um, tell me, what you know, do you have UCLA, Utah, and Colorado, Oregon as your next two as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I've literally got those in, in the exact same spot. I've got, you know, UCLA and Utah at four, uh, Colorado, Oregon at three. Um, you know, for, for UCLA, Utah, definitely, you know, could have made the argument. This is, you know, one of the more interesting games. Could have, could have been number one for me. I um, mean, there is one that kind of stands out over the rest of them, but 
Um, you know, Dante Moore, the freshman, I, I'm excited to see him go against a good Utah uh, defense. Um, no cam rising yet. So, you know, can Nate Johnson step up to the plate? Um, you know, put up some points. I feel like UCLA's offense has been playing really well this year. So, um, you know, it should be an interesting, interesting matchup. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that Utah ends up pulling this one out. Um, that's a very tough place to play. I know Florida could can attest to that. Um, but this is a huge, huge game for, you know, a freshman and, and Dante Moore. And then if, if he ends up pulling this game out, I mean, we're going to see him on Heisman list and, and UCLA is going to vault up the rankings. This is a huge game for UCLA and if they end up pulling it out. Um, you know, they're going to be a lot more talked about in the media and everything else. So pretty interesting there. And then you got to give it to Colorado and Oregon. Um, they're definitely you know deserving of being a top three matchup this weekend. Um, the, you know, the Dion hype train that that's going on right now, you can't deny it. Right. So um, it's going to make for an interesting game. I, I don't think that they'll, um, they'll beat, Oregon. I think Oregon's just, you know, a better all around team, but um, 21 points is a lot. And you know, that Colorado is going to have those guys, you know, fired up for this game. Um, you know, this is the team that uh, everybody felt they couldn't do anything at the beginning of the year. Um, but I do want to say one thing that I've noticed um, with college football in general and, and the introduction of Colorado to, to this stage is that I'm seeing a lot more ignorant, um, you know, college football fans out there on, on the interwebs that really don't have a clue about what they are talking about. But there is a clip on Instagram of um, Colorado playing the, the Oregon fight song, pumping in noise to their practice. Like, okay, why are we posting this? And why do, why are people calling, um, you know, Deion Sanders the goat? Cause he's pumping in crowd noise to a practice. They do this in high schools in Texas and D3 football, D2 football. This isn't something new. Like it doesn't make him just, you know, this amazing coach. Not that he's not a good coach, but this little aspect is something that every program in the country does. And it just now gets highlighted because Dion's doing it. And so I welcome all the ignorant fans, but you've got a lot to learn about college football. Just a little, little something I wanted to throw in there, Matt. I'm sorry if that was a little bit off topic with the best games, but it's something that had to be mentioned. No, and I think a lot of folks are mentioning it. You know, I know late kick Josh Pate had a whole segment on this very thing, and it's just like, yeah, you. I think on one level it is annoying and frustrating when you're um, folks who have been into college football for a long time, and especially you have like clout chasers, and I'm sure there are going to be people that are on Instagram or maybe people start a podcast much more popular than ours and you know not to say that we should be some sort of popular podcast but when you see people just you know getting um getting recognition for like the most basic simple takes it's like well all right like but as well it's like hey then you know you got to learn and i think being a gatekeeper to like college football is kind of like BS. And so I also, you know, I think it's good to correct and call out people, especially if people want to get into arguments or discussions or whatever. I think it's, you know, yeah, you, you definitely maybe temper some of their expectations or just try to educate people on like, well, you know, this thing is, you know, the whole like pumping in the crowd music. Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, having guys like have like speakers set up 
there are a lot of teams that do that and that's nothing special. Um, and so maybe show them, you know, times where Georgia has practiced in our stadium and we pumping crowd music. Cause I know we've done that plenty of times in previous seasons and things of that nature. So, um, bottom line is though, like, yeah, I think it's exciting for the sport. I think having more eyes on it, I think Dion is, an awesome guy like I really do I just think that like he brings something that that we've not seen and I think the real ones also get that and I think there is a certain level maybe of gatekeeping um, from some like old school college football people that is BS too and it's just like no like yeah just because Dion is something that you've never seen before in the sport doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing similar to NIL or anything else. People are just sometimes resistant to change. And so I'll just leave it at that, that like, I think that, yeah, it can be frustrating seeing those like simple takes as well. There's a real opportunity to like grow the sport and, to, uh, you know, get more people involved. And so I think it's like, as long as, as long as people are intellectually curious and want to like learn more about the sport and not just like inject themselves. And of course you will get that too. And that's frustrating, but um, yeah, I just, I think I urge everyone to, uh, you know, to take it with an open mindset and be like, teach people about the sport, use it as an opportunity to grow the sport, not an opportunity to gatekeep. Um, as frustrating as it can be to, to deal with some of these, these simple fans, but let's get back to it. Two games, Kyler, that are, <laughs> that are top billing and are going to be, I think both incredible games. I don't know what you have as two, what you have as one, but I will tell you, I've got number two is Alabama Ole Miss. Um, and <sighs> you mentioned it earlier, but I think, uh, bottom line is Lane Kiffin has been an amazing uh, head coach, has proven himself, um, I think, to be a really, you know, to take Ole Miss to being a at least, you know, perennial top 25 team. That's not easy. They do not have some of the resources that some of these other teams in the SEC have. Um, and he, I feel like he's the perfect fit there, kind of that like party kind of, I don't know. I just feel like I hope Lane Kiffin stays at Ole Miss for a long time because I think that, you know, I think he could win a national championship there and that would be really cool to see. Um, on the flip side, you've got Bama and they're a wounded puppy. Um, and what we've seen from them thus far is not great. I do know Jalen Milrow comes back and man, he su seems to be, the guy who can, who, who at least has the potential to, uh, to, to get the plays over the top to, to make it happen. So I think this game is going to be incredibly tight. I don't know. I go, I really go back and forth, Kyler, on thinking who's going to win this game, because I will say as bad as Bama's offense has been, their defense has looked at times pretty spectacular. And so, I think oh, it, it is, yeah, it's hard for me to say, but, I, and I don't know, maybe it's, it's time. I think that it is, it is Old Miss's time. I think they at least cover, but I, I don't know who's going to win the game. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got it ranked the same way. Um, number two um, overall match this weekend. Um, and it's going to be a great game. I, I I do think that that Alabama's offense is better than we're giving it credit for. I mean, they did put up, you know, 
had some really good drives against Texas. Um, and I just didn't really like the quarterback play at all against Southern Florida, but you can't blame that on Jalen Milrow. Um, I think that Jalen Milrow brings something a little bit different to this offense. Uh, it's been harped on, and we've discussed, you know, what his problems are um, with decision-making and being able to read defenses, but he is the most talented quarterback on the roster, and I think it's time for Alabama to commit to Jalen Milrow and him be the guy and, you know, let him be the one getting all of these game reps, right? And so this is a big game for him to uh, solidify himself as the starter for this Alabama team, uh, you know, if he can go in and beat Ole Miss. So I've, I've got Alabama winning it, man. Um, I do think that, yeah, the defense is still really good. Um, I mean, the, all the talent is there, but – um, you know, kind of like Georgia, they've got some things to clean up along the offensive line where the talent is. I mean, they, they might have the most talented offensive line in the country, but have not been playing like it recently, but just things that they've got to clean up um, on that front. I think that'll help out Jalen as well with keeping him upright, not having to make a quick decision that is the wrong decision. So um, definitely want to watch, you know, how Jalen Milrow plays, you know, how he comes back from, being benched last week, you know, I saw a lot of you know positive things from him and on social media, um, you know, being very encouraging to his teammates and all of that um, last week when Ty Simpson and, um, and, and Buckner ended up getting to play a lot. So uh, I think that's a sign of a great leader um, and, and that he'll come into this game, you know, ready, ready to roll. So I, I got the tie in this one. Um, I do think that they can cover that, that uh, six, six and a half point spread on that game too. All right. Well, we disagree a little bit on that one, but I think I think we agree, both agree that it's going to be a hell of a game. I think that that game is going to be exciting. Similar, I think it might play out similarly to the Texas game, um, where both teams trade some shots and like it's kind of like slugging each other in the face. Maybe both teams get some great defensive stops. It's it's going to be a fun game to watch. I think um, both teams have some offensive firepower. Both teams bring in a pretty balanced attack. Basically, I'm, when what I mean by that is, you know, offense, defense, special teams, a holistic team. And so, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a good one. Um, and then let's let's go ahead and get into it. The number one game of the week. I think that everybody circled it, and really is as much to do with you know the history and just the two programs as it is to where they're playing right now. And I think especially Notre Dame. I'm talking about Ohio State at Notre Dame. Uh, the marquee matchup of the week. Are, I believe it's our only top ten versus top ten matchup of the week, and. Yeah, I think that it's really, as I say, I think it's really been elevated based on the play of Notre Dame. We knew that they were going to be good, but last year were an incredibly inconsistent team, um, slightly due to Tyler Buckner's play, uh, who we just spoke about as Alabama's backup. Well, he's out, and now Sam Hartman's in, and Sam Hartman's been, I feel like, the elixir that they needed to kind of like kickstart an offense, and so – yeah, they just look really good, have an incredibly sound defense. And Ohio State, I think, is is an interesting team too because they're, I think, improved on the defensive side of the ball. So that makes them um, – that's good. that helps their offense, which is not quite as explosive as it was in the previous year with C.J. Stroud, who now, you know, is, is suiting up and is playing on Sundays. Um I think I think I got Notre Dame, honestly. I think that they cover, and 
I don't know. It just feels like this is this is going to be a really good Notre Dame football year. But I, and and maybe it's just that I'm not totally sold on Callum McCord, and I've been underwhelmed at times by that offense. I know that they've they've seemed to have raided the ship last week a little bit, but I don't know. I, I just feel like at least with what I have seen the eye test, it feels like Notre Dame is a different team than they've been in the past this year. And it feels like Ohio state is too. Notre Dame trending upward, Ohio state trending downward a bit. Um, but I don't know. Do you see it similarly or? Um, no, I, I actually see it kind of differently, man. I, I'm, I'm very much so on Kyle McCord. Um, I think that it just took him a little bit of time to, uh, um, you know, get, get used to being the guy out there. I mean, the guy went out there and tore it up against an undefeated uh, Western Kentucky team last weekend. You know, uh, three touchdowns, over 300 yards, looked absolutely amazing, looked really good the week before, too, when he was able to get in the game. So um, he's got the best receiver in the country around him. Like you mentioned, their, their defense is much improved. They held Western Kentucky, who's got a great offense, um, to, to 10 points. So, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm all about these, this Ohio State Buckeye team. Um, that's not to take any credit away from from Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is a very well balanced team as well, but I do think that the firepower and Ryan Day and that offense end up getting the best of uh, Notre Dame. I think it's going to be a close, great game. Both both teams are playing, you know, really well right now. So, um, you know, I, I've got I've got the the Buckeyes um, in this one, man. All right. Well, I think both those games at the top two are just going to be incredible. All right, Kyler, before we get to the Georgia game, just want to go over our betting six-pack. We already talked about we like Rutgers plus 24. I don't think we mentioned it, but we like Florida State minus two. Uh, we've talked about Clemson not not being the team we thought. We like BYU plus nine and a half at Kansas. You know, I think that Kansas wins that game, but I think BYU keeps it close. Um, and then the game tonight, we like NC State minus eight and a half over UVA. Um, two more games, of course, Maryland minus seven and a half at Michigan State. I just, we both think Michigan State is in disarray and Army plus 13 on the road at Syracuse army has, has been a tough out to this point. Um, and they play a, a, you know, they play that triple option game. So it is a, uh, it's a different, difficult thing. And so while Syracuse might end up as winners, we do think that army keeps it relatively close. Anything you want to add to this? I mean, I, th- I think that, uh, you know, the, the games that I'm probably, you know, I have the most confidence behind would probably be, you know, Rutgers at plus 24 and Florida State at minus two. Um, I, I really like those two games. If you're going to go heavy on a couple of them, um, really like, you know, Jordan Travis and, and you know, what Norwell's got going on there. Um, Clemson being down, um, you know, is, is something that we're all there to see. So uh, I think Florida State, you know, um, ends up beating them by way more than two. And Rutgers and Shiano, they're going to have a plan to make this a close game. I feel like I've, I've, you know, I've predicted Rutgers in the past against Michigan, and they somehow always end up having a very close game. So, um, you know, I've got I've got Shiano and the Fighting uh, Scarlet Knights um, in that one. 
Yeah, uh, and I, I would agree with you on those two games, and I would add one. I mean, I just think that UVA, um, it's tough to see because I know their their program's been going through some stuff, but they've just been bad. And I know they're at home, but it just does not feel like it is. It does not feel like they're going to hold NC State to eight and a half points. And maybe I'm overselling NC State. Maybe we'll find some stuff out tonight, but – that's the other one that I'm pretty, pretty confident um, about. And so if you want to, you know, make an early, an early play on Friday night, that's, that's the play I'd say to, to make over um, Wisconsin and Purdue who also play tonight, but all right, let's get into the Georgia game UAB. You know, honestly, I don't think there's that much to be said, quite frankly. And I know people might get upset at me saying that, but I just think that, you know, UAB, they're, they're a tough team, uh, the fight in Trent Dilfers, but, uh, you know, the bottom line is they, they're still early on, I think, in that kind of maybe not rebuilding process, but um, continuation process. And so I, I'm just not sure that, I'm not sure that it's going to be much, and I'm not sure we're going to be able to glean that much from Georgia either. I just don't know that we're at a point in time where we really want to just push the throttle. I think we're really trying to gain depth. I think there's other things that we're trying to do. So I don't expect it to be like a some sort of eye-opening performance, but I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm not looking at this correctly, Kyler. No, I think you're right. I mean, you know, UAB – and I'm a big, big fan of Trent Dilfer as a, as a football coach. I think that he's going to do great things there at UAB, but he, he just got there, right? He's not, he didn't try to do the whole roster overhaul necessarily the way that, you know, a uh, Deion Sanders did. Right. And so um, he's going to go more along the development route. He spent some time in Nashville, Tennessee. He, he brought Liscombe Academy there to, you know, being a nationally ranked program from being a not so good program. Uh, you know, when I first moved to, uh, um, to Nashville, no one was really talking about Liscoe Academy in, in the football arena, but now they're they're the talk of the town and, and one of the top programs there, all because of you know bringing in Trent and, and you know uh, you know establishing a program at a place like that. So uh, you know I, I'm I'm excited to you know see the game though. Nonetheless, I think that they've been doing pretty well on offense against their opponents um, so far this year. Um, I think that they're going to be a very well coached team, but uh, in the, the day, you know, talent's going to gonna you know rise to the top and and we're gonna end up beating them pretty good but you know definitely want to keep an eye on our offensive line you know how things are going there um you know who's in on the rotation who are we trying to develop for depth all that kind of stuff because i do want to see us start getting some continuity along the line and and, um it'd be interesting to see you know who who all gets reps at running back is andrew paul gonna get in on the rotation um you know how much dylan bell are we gonna see at that position um, just a lot of interesting things to, to look out for. Um, and I think that our defense you know, does an outstanding job and, and really limits what, what UAB is able to do on the offensive side of the ball. But I'm excited about it. And, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got the dogs winning this one. This is my prediction. Um, we're going to win this one 48-3. to 48-3. That is intense. Uh, I, I see it being similar. I think maybe UAB gets a touchdown. I think we might not get quite as many points. I'm going to go 45-10.
So uh, similar, but uh, it's still impressive. But I don't think, as I say, I don't think anybody's going to walk away being like, oh, Georgia, they, they've, it's clicked, it's turned on. I think that we might see a little bit more, but I just don't, I don't think we're quite there yet. And I don't think we're trying to be there yet either. I think we know what's ahead of us. And I think the big game that I'm really looking forward to seeing is the Auburn game next week. And I think that bottom line is we're going to be doing things to get us prepared for that game next week. And I don't think we're going to sleepwalk and not think about our next opponent, but I feel like that's the chess game that Kirby's so good at is that like we're focused on the now, but we're doing things that also are focused on the future. If that, I don't know if that makes sense because it's like, we're, we're doing blocking schemes. We're doing X, Y, and Z. And while it might not pay dividends, we're not like totally just phoning it in. We're not totally, but we're using these, these opportunities to practice for things that we're going to be employing in the future. And we've shown that time and time again, that that's what we end up doing. And people, you know, um, I guess don't trust us at your own peril because I feel like this team, it's like when the brightest, when the lights need to be turned on, when the, you know, shit hits the fan, I feel like Kirby smart and this team always seems to rise to the occasion. So, um, but yeah, any final thoughts before we, we head out? Yeah. I mean, I'll just say that, uh, you know, we do get a night game in, in, uh, in Sanford, um, which is, Always great. I think that that atmosphere really uh, gets the guys fired up, and we we you know see a great product there on the field. Just I feel like the the play of our players will be that much more elevated being in that kind of environment. So that's why I you know gave us a few more points than than I you know I normally probably would have in this game. Um, I do think that 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 special teams is, will be a factor too. Um, I think that you know not not all those points will be on the offense. I think that you know we're going to see you know either pick six or, you know, a, a, you know, punt return for a touchdown, getting my Kai Muse involved. I think that we're going to see something like that against a team like UAB um, to help contribute to that point total. But I'm excited nonetheless. Um, you know, this is a, it's all a work in progress. You know, don't, don't, don't look at this as the end all be all like, you know, this is, you know, we're developing a team where we're trying to, to peak at the right times. And, and I know Kirby's got it all under control and I trust what he's doing over there. Yeah. Echoing or echoing each other, and uh, I will echo you when I'm in the night game. It's awesome, uh, and it is a testament to kind of, I think, the power and the strength of our team that we're getting these types of games at night. I feel like that's what Alabama used to do every time that, you know, they would play these random teams and always get night games. I remember being pissed, but it's just like that's what comes when you're the, you know, back-to-back or two two out of three-year champs. Um, as Alabama has been, it feels like for perpetuity, at least in my adulthood. And so now Georgia's there. And so we just got to soak it up. We got to relish it and, you know, enjoy the ride. And, you know, I, am not going to be able to watch as much as I'd like this weekend. I'm actually going to, to a music festival, KC, but I am in Las Vegas and you better believe I'm going to be, I'm going to be maybe making a couple, a couple, uh, parlays couple, you know, getting a little action and uh, it's, it's going to be a fantastic weekend. And the great thing is too, is that the festival doesn't start till 4 PM here. So that's seven o'clock. So maybe streaming that Ohio state Notre Dame game on my phone, but I'm going to be able to watch most of the games without even, you know, having anything else scheduled. So I'm looking forward to it. All right. For Kyler Carr, I am Matt Kerr. This has been the Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. Check us out on Instagram. 
the underscore D-O-T-E-O-B. And just enjoy the weekend, love one another, and check out our podcast. And as always, we end this show with Go Dogs. Go Dogs.